And then when we're on stage, when maybe our mind has gone off to like the audience seems bored or I'm not sure I'm in tune or my monitor's not loud enough or things like that, all these things that sort of come up, then we can let that go and come back to the present moment of our musical artistry. If you're a professional singer, want to know how to turn singing into a career, or simply love to hear stories from singers on the road, then The Working Singer is the podcast for you. I chat with pro singers about how they make a creative living in the music business, lending their talent to stars like Enrique Iglesias, The Killers, Elvis Costello, and more. They share life lessons, business advice, and how they make a living when they're off the road. We'll also discuss vocal health, technique, performance, coaching, and pretty much all things vocal. Elevate your approach to your singing career, get enlightened about what the pros do, and be inspired with new ideas that you can make your own. My name is Jamila Ford, and this is the Working Singer Podcast. Guys, I've mentioned to you how super impressed I've been with the ease of my singing voice since I started using the Vocal Mist Nebulizer. I've been doing online shows and at first I was having a little bit of difficulty during my rehearsals. Quarantine had left my voice a little out of shape. I started to use the Vocal Mist Nebulizer as part of my vocal health routine and I have to say the smoothness, facility, and tone that I like to hear in my voice is back. I've been having some awesome shows and have been so happy with how my voice sounds and feels. The Vocal Mist is perfect for singers of all levels, public speakers, teachers, and all professional voice users. Vocal Mist is a portable tool for getting rid of dry throat, alleviating allergies, and helping your voice stay in high performance shape. The specialized hydration formula is designed to help your voice feel great and minimize the chance of vocal injury by matching what your body already does internally. Vocal Mist Hydration Formula helps give your instrument a boost without any artificial additives. It helps take the pressure off the voice, meaning less vocal fatigue. It's travel friendly and USB rechargeable. Visit myvocalmist.com and use code WORKINGSINGER2020 at checkout to get $10 off your first order. That's all one word. Working Singer 2020. Welcome, guys. I am excited you're here today. Um, we've got a special, fun podcast doing one of my favorite things um, to do, which is meditate. And that is led by Shauna Fallahi. And um, I interviewed Shauna uh, a few months ago. Um, Shauna is the creator of Embodied Singer. She is a vocal coach and she incorporates movement and meditation and various modalities into her vocal coaching. And I just love her. And I was so uh, impressed and moved by all that she had to say uh, the first time I interviewed her. And we've had a few conversations since then. Um, I decided I wanted to have her guide us through a meditation for performers. And so we did that live on Facebook last week. And, uh, you know, if you weren't aware of it, get onto my email list so you can keep up on those kinds of things. Join the Facebook group so that you can stay abreast of um, all of those activities. Um, but it was so good. And I think that, you know, once I started to understand, and Shauna talks about this a lot, 
uh, that meditation is not about not thinking and clearing your mind because it's just never going to happen. Your your mind, as Shauna says, is designed to move um, pretty much at all times. Uh, it's just kind of slowing down the movement a little bit and kind of making space for more choices about how you're going to respond to things. And, you know, that meditation can really just be rolled over into your life, um, which I love. I think that is just a beautiful way to talk about the practice. So Shauna guides us through three. Oh, my gain's a bit loud here. Let me turn down my gain a little bit. Uh, Shauna guides us through three uh, practices. And they're short. We do about four minutes four to six minutes per practice. And um, I don't think I've done any of these really. I had done the breath, the breath focused meditation. Um, so we do a breath focused meditation. We did a listening meditation, which I thought was very cool. And we did a meta loving kindness meditation and meta is spelled M-E-T-T-A. And Shauna really just breaks down the value of each of these for us as singers and performers. So, we get into that and, you know, I, I will tell you, I didn't do much talking for this one. I just kind of let Shauna take it and lead it. Um, a lot of that was because it's very, it had to be very noisy at my apartment building. So I just kind of muted and would interject a, mm, <laughs> every once in a while. But, um, you know, Shauna's brilliant and uh, loved everything that she had to say. And so without further ado... Shauna Fallahi of Embodied Singer. Shauna Fallahi, I am so excited Thanks. that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us and Pleasure. guiding us today. Um, for people who do not know, Shauna um, is the founder, creator of um, Embodied Singer. Um, you're also a vocal coach and you incorporate all these wonderful modalities into your vocal coaching. So I'm just going to let you have it and please tell us about, you know, anything you feel we need to know. <laughs> and, um, you know, to learn more about Shauna, I interviewed her recently on the Working Singer podcast. So, you know, I will, I'll put a link at the end of this in the uh, comments and um, please take it away. Tell us a little bit about you and what we're going to be doing today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Jamila, for having me here. And I, it was a wonderful warm up to start off by talking about housewives and Bethany and all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, so I'm Shauna. I'm a voice teacher. I'm a professional singer. And I also teach uh, movement and have incorporated a lot of these other modalities into my voice teaching. So it includes movement, myofascial release, which we talked about a bunch on the podcast, which is self-massage with therapy balls, which can be helpful for releasing tension in the body, but also down-regulating the nervous system, which kind of goes into the meditation realm that we'll explore today. Um, I started my regular and consistent meditation practice several years ago, and it was really a huge game changer for me. Um, and it was immediately clear in the same way that when I started teaching movement, I was like, oh, this is all voice related stuff. You know, we're always told to sing with our entire body. And as I learned more about the way the body moves, the way people feel in their bodies, bringing it into the voice teaching just was so necessary and so natural. And then I had the same experience with meditation 
where it was like, oh, okay, all of these skills that we cultivate, that we explore in meditative or contemplative practices are all the skills that we need as singers. I think about singing as being kind of the ultimate act of artistic presence, right? We need to be really present and attuned to what we're hearing, to what we're feeling in our body, present with the intention of what we want to express musically and dramatically, present with the other musicians that we might be collaborating with, present to the presence of the audience, if there's an audience, right? And so it's a lot of stimulation from within and external stimulation that we need to sort of be able to manage and experience all simultaneously. And so because in our lives, we tend to be really overwhelmed by external stimulus, what we see, what we hear, you know, social media, what's coming at us, and also tend to be maybe overwhelmed by internal experiences, emotions, thoughts, physical sensations. It's really helpful to have practices that slow us down, right, that give us the opportunity to turn some turn the volume down on some of that external stimulus so that we can really tap into what's going on internally and that helps us to develop this ability to be present with what's happening to be aware of what's happening to be receptive to what's happening internally and externally which i think translates really directly to the singing right so my experience is that lots of different complementary modalities like meditation, like movement practices, like myofascial release, when we're, they're done outside of singing, they give us the opportunity to explore these qualities within ourselves, these skills, awareness, presence, receptivity, reactivity, things like that outside of the context of singing so we can then apply them to our singing. You know, so meditation is just one way to come into greater presence, greater awareness of ourselves, what's going on, so that we can manage all the stuff that we're experiencing internally and externally. And I know, Jamila, that you have a meditation practice, and I wonder if what I'm describing as the meditation outside of singing, learning those skills and then taking them into your expressive artistry, if that's something that you've experienced at all. Hmm. I think it's something that I have um, started to become more conscious of. I, I haven't been that intentional about bringing that meditative feeling onto the stage, which would be interesting to do, you know, if only to be more focused and maybe more present with the um, audience. Yeah. Because um, we're starting to perform again and and all of that. I had noticed, you know, I performed last week. I had noticed more of a connection with the audience. I'm not sure if that's because I, you know, I'd been away so long. Right. <laughs> we all been away so long and had, you know, in that time been doing more meditating. So it'd be interesting to just like go in with like the intention of, you know, taking some breaths, mm -hmm. getting centered and then getting on stage and kind of operating from there. 
Yeah, absolutely. And there are so many variables in life, right? That if we adopt a meditation practice or some other modality, there are always many elements of our experience of singing or our experience of performing that can influence the way that we feel. And it can be tough to sort of be scientific about it and just change one variable at a time. But I think your point about performing now coming out of this period where many people have either not been performing at all or have been performing at home in a digital space and not necessarily being in the same energetic environment as the audience, that is going to provoke a lot of stimulus, right? A lot of it, you know, really positive. I think there's going to be so much joy and gratitude and emotion around getting to connect and share with an audience. And then maybe there's also fear, you know, or just other unexpected feelings that come up. And so, you know, probably the most important thing I would want people to know about meditation. One of the most important things is that the intention for a meditation practice isn't to shut down what you feel. It's mm. not to eliminate uh, intensity or eliminate different experiences. It's about being able to be with what's actually happening right now. You know, positive, neutral, negative, all those things are constantly flowing in and out. And it's not about always being calm or always being, you know, re you know relaxed or things like that. It's about being real with like what's actually happening in your life because in and in performing all kinds of thoughts and feelings are happening we might be really happy with the way that we're singing one moment and then something happens and all of a sudden we feel differently and so having this established baseline of meditation where you have watched your thoughts you've watched your feelings you've started to create a little bit of space between what you're experiencing and your reaction to it can be really helpful then when we're on stage and the emotions, the thoughts, the physical sensations are constantly fluctuating. We have just a little buffer of room from which to observe what's happening and then be able to make choices. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. 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 And the nice thing with these practices, they're super simple. So we're going to do a few different practices today, just for a short period of time. Um, if people are listening to this, like later in podcast form, you know, if you're driving or something, you might want to like pull over, please don't like close your eyes <laughs> while you're driving. Um, but yeah, you know, it's important also to me that people know that meditation practices are really simple. They're not necessarily easy because if our intention is to concentrate the mind, the mind is totally designed to move. You are, your brain is designed to be recalling things, to be responding to stimulus. And we want that very active and agile mind. We definitely want it in performance, right? It's what allows us to be responsive to the changing circumstances, but we also um, want to be able to kind of slow it down and maybe maintain our focus and concentration for a longer period of time. So when we do these types of practices, know that your mind is totally designed to move. You will get distracted. And the point of the practice is actually notice like, oh, I've gone off into the past or I've gone out into the future. I'm going to come back to presence. And then when we're on stage, when maybe our mind has gone off to like the audience seems bored or I'm not sure I'm in tune or my monitor's not loud enough or things like that, all these things that sort of come up, then we can let that go and come back to the present moment of our musical artistry, right? So we learn yeah. that sense of spaciousness between response and stimulus. And then we can translate that hopefully into the moments where we, there is more stimulus 
and kind of move on. Yeah. Uh, so as we move into doing a few short practices that I chose today because I feel like they have really nice direct application to singing, um, there are many ways in which you can meditate. People often picture someone sitting cross-legged, maybe like on a mountain. You don't need a mountain. You don't have to sit cross-legged. You don't have to sit at all. Um, in Buddhist meditation, in kind of the Buddhist scriptures, when they talk about meditation postures, they talk about seated, lying down, so you can absolutely meditate lying down, standing up, or walking. And if you choose to do walking meditation, you would just walk really, really slowly. You'd pick a length of space that's about 10 to 20 paces, and you just kind of slowly walk, and then walk back, da da da, so you can kind of feel the movements of the body. So, should we go into uh, practice? Yes, let's do it. Yeah, awesome. Um, so if you're joining us in this practice, find a position in which you are curious about meditating today, seated, standing, walking, or lying down. Know that if you're really sleepy and you choose to meditate lying down, you might fall asleep. And if you do, you need sleep and that's totally fine. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. But that's one thing to know, especially if you meditate like in the evening, if you meditate lying down, it might be your entryway into sleeping, which again, no problem with that. Many people like to meditate with their eyes closed because it eliminates the visual field, which is a lot of stimulus, but it doesn't always feel comfortable to close our eyes depending on the environment we're in. So make the choice that just feels the most comfortable and natural for you. If you choose to keep your eyes open, you can look at something not very interesting, like a wall or look at the floor, you can look down at your hands, whatever's working for you. So the first practice that we'll do will be focused on the breath. The breath is a really intimate teacher and relationship for us as singers. We're very aware of the way that breath moves in and out of the body. So as you come into your meditative seat, your posture, take a couple of deeper breaths, just noticing what you feel, eyes open or closed. And we start to slow down the breath. Start to slow down our energy. Coming into presence with physical sensations, maybe the sensations of the breath moving in and out of the body. It can be nice at the start to intentionally make the breath a little bit bigger. So you can notice where in your body you feel the movements of the breath. And now let the breath just resume its natural rhythm. It might be a little smaller, a little subtler. And continue to just watch the breath going in and out of the body. Especially as singers, there might be an inclination to try to control the way the breath comes in and out of the body. And in this practice, you can actually let that go. Simply becoming an observer, and maybe experiencing the breath in a different way. It is absolutely natural for your mind to wander away from the breath, especially because the breath movements are pretty subtle. It's easy for the mind to look for something a little more engaging or different. When you notice that's happened, just simply come back to the breath. 
And that will happen over and over and over again as you practice. In the same way that your mind is designed to move, so is your body. You might notice the impulse to shift, to move. You might even experience discomfort in your body and you have a choice. You can either stay where you are and be with that, experience those sensations and try to let them go. Or it might be more skillful to move and make an adjustment for your comfort. Once you have, come back to the breath. you've been watching a specific area of your body, maybe the movement of the abdomen or the broadening of your chest, or maybe the sensation of the breath coming in the nostrils. See if you can expand your awareness somewhere else, maybe to the back of your body, maybe to the pelvic floor, the base of the pelvis. What can you observe? in this special time dedicated to watching the breath. mind has wandered, bring it back. Try to stay with the full duration of each inhale, the full duration of each exhale. Each one a little bit different. If your eyes are closed, gently open them. Take in the room, take in your space. Maybe keep some awareness in the body as you transition out of that more dedicated period of practice. And you meditated, yay! If you've never meditated before, you did it! We practiced for like four minutes. We did a, a relatively short period. And when we're first meditating, sometimes, you know, that period of time can go by really quickly. You know, you set a timer for five minutes and it's like, boom, it, you know, it goes off really quickly. Sometimes it can feel like forever, you know? And I think it really, that can really, reveal our um some of our attitude about the practice like if it's really feeling like oh my gosh oh my gosh i'm like trapped 
you know, I'm stuck in this, make it shorter. You know, it doesn't have to be a long period to be beneficial. But also if we know that our mind and our body are designed to move, designed to respond, that that's gonna happen as part of the practice and we allow for that, I think that that can also help us feel a little bit more at home because we're not fighting against the reality of the experience, we're inviting it in. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I feel great right now. <laughs> Oh, yay. It's, and it's such a testament to just a short period of time of really slowing down. And that's you know, all the different modalities that I incorporate in for singers. A lot of them are about balancing our sense of our own energy, right? And so if we are really like, go, 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 upregulated, if we're anxious, then to bring ourselves into balance, it's nice to slow down. And sometimes we're a little bit low energy and you know we need a bit more engagement. So then we might do some dynamic movement or we might do a breath practice that's more activating. So it's just about acknowledging like, what am I bringing to the table and what would I like to bring to um, bring me more into balance with myself? Yeah. Yeah. I love the um, breath. I love a breath focused meditation for many reasons. It's often kind of the starter meditation because everybody breathes. So it's a, it's an anchor of concentration that is usually pretty accessible, but at the same time, it's pretty slippery. Like the breath is really subtle and it's very easy for the mind to get distracted from the breath. So it offers us a lot of opportunity to practice getting distracted and coming back, mm. getting distracted and coming back, which is really the point of meditation yeah. the point is not necessarily to sustain your concentration for a long time that doesn't i mean it's nice when we can do that and we do cultivate that ability through the practice but it's not really the point the point is the observation of when the mind leaves the present and making the decision to let go of whatever drew us away and come back and breath meditation for singers i think is really interesting too because we have a lot of ideas about the way that our body is supposed to breathe mm. right and a lot of maybe um preconceptions that we have based on pedagogy we've been exposed to and our vocal technique many of which is great and it works for us but if we're really just watching the body breathe and bringing awareness to different parts of the body that move with breath it gives us a chance to refine what we feel and maybe observe like oh i noticed that you know, the right side of my ribs feel more buoyant, the left side maybe feel a little congested or sticky. Maybe before I go to sing, I'm going to do some stretching for that side. You know, it slows us down enough to really notice how the body is taking in the breath. So that's kind of my pitch for that for singers. And we don't have to manipulate the breath in any way in these practices. In yoga, the category of pranayama or breath practices where we actually do control the rate of inhalation and exhalation in different ways, those are awesome practices, but that's different than what we just did where we were simply letting the body breathe in its own way and observing with as little judgment as possible. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, you know, I when I started kind of taking us into this practice, I mentioned that intimacy of the breathing. I mean, it really is such a such an intimate and soft and subtle experience of the body. A really beautiful way to just get to know yourself a little bit better. And singing too is so intimate. And it is singing is the movement of the breath in and out of the body. So the more acquainted we can become with the way that our body and mind responds to those movements of breath, the more information we have to use to refine our singing and our artistry. Mm. Yeah. Should we do that. another yeah. practice? Let's do the next one. 
Cool. So this is another one that I really love for anybody, but definitely for musicians. And instead of using the breath as the anchor of concentration, we're going to use sound. So this is a listening meditation. So you could take the same posture that you took before. You could be seated, standing, walking, or lying down. So come into whatever way you want to experience this. Eyes open or closed. I will say if you feel um, safe and comfortable closing your eyes, it can be really helpful for this particular meditation. Because again, like the visual information that we're taking in and processing, even if nothing around us is moving, we're taking in so many different textures and colors that when we can limit that particular field of information, it really allows us to tap into our other senses. So if you are comfortable with eyes closed for this one, I'd recommend it, but you certainly don't have to if you don't feel comfortable. So for this, we'll come into our meditative seat. And as we did with the breath, take a few deeper breaths just to really come into the body, come into the practice, arrive. Make any adjustments to your physical position that would make you a bit more comfortable. And now we'll start to just open our ears to the sounds around us. If you're in a noisier environment, if there are a lot of cars, if there are animals, if there are people, there might be a lot to listen to. Or you might be somewhere that's quieter, where you're hearing like the rumbling of the washing machine, or maybe a car driving by a couple streets away. What can you hear? You might hear sounds in your own body, like a little gurgly tummy or a bubble popping in your mouth. There are often many sounds simultaneously. Let your awareness dance from sound to sound or stay with something for its full duration. Notice the tendency of the mind to label what we hear. That is your mind making sense of your environment. We want that skill. In this practice, is it possible to take in sound just as raw data without labeling or going off into a story about the sound? just hearing it and then letting it pass away.
like with the breath, it's very easy for the mind to get distracted from these subtle sounds, totally normal. When that happens, release the thought and open up your ears again, being receptive to the sounds of your environment. There might be a tendency to anticipate what sound is coming next, looking for sounds. Can you rest back in the present and really let them come to you? mind has wandered, bring it back. Maybe expanding your awareness to much more distant sounds. What is the faintest, furthest sound you can hear? Bring it more intimately. What is the nearest sound you can hear? The sounds of your own body, fabric of your clothes, or the furniture that supports you. Your eyes are closed, gently open them, taking in sight in addition to sound. <sighs> yeah, that was interesting. I haven't done a, a listening meditation yeah. before. Um, and I've been muting my sound so I wouldn't, I, uh, you know, disturb it because my building is very uh, <laughs> noisy right now. <laughs> totally. I live in Oakland and I live right near uh, in Oakland, California, and it's right near this really kind of popular lake that people like to walk around. And over the last few months, um, it's basically become like a street fair Friday, Saturday and Sunday all day, every day. And I teach from home this stretch and meditate class and it's so loud here and people are the, um, on the street I was mentioning in our when we were talking about housewives that I love drag race, um, but not the car kind like the wig kind. Like, Falls drag race. Um, but now outside of my house, there is literal oh, no. drag racing that's like happening. So I'm teaching this meditation class and it's so noisy. So I always have to like mute myself and then come on and say something and then mute. But when I teach listening meditation, I leave it off mute knowing that some of the sounds of my environment are going to come in right. to other people's experience. And actually, 
That's one of the best things about listening meditation is that if you are in a really noisy environment, like if you live in New York City, first of all, I'm so envious. It's my favorite place on earth. Um, but if you live in New York and you think that you need silence in order to have an effective meditation practice, like when is that ever going to happen? You know, so if it's noisy or, you know, you have animals or you have kids or you have neighbors, like doing uh, listening meditation is great because the more sound there is in your environment, the more uh, material there is to include in the meditation. And that's wonderful because then we don't get into this resistant mode of thinking like my meditation's not perfect, you know, and wanting to push those sounds away. We get to invite them in to the practice. So highly recommend if you're, um, say you go to music school and you want to do some meditation before practicing and you're in the practice room corridor and you're hearing the trumpet player and the other singer and the drummer and all of the people playing it could be fascinating I think to do a um, listening meditation on all of the sounds uh, coming in um, from the various practice yeah, rooms I got plenty right now <laughs> yeah exactly and that's when it's perfect you know I mean, because it's also fine you know, if you're doing breath focused meditation or something else, and there are sounds that are constantly drawing your attention, that's just what's happening in the practice. You know, that's happening, right? And, and it, the practice is not about making it be any particular way. It's about being with what is happening right now. And, you know, noticing, okay, I, my mind was drawn to the sound of that car horn. I'm going to let that go and come back to my breath. But if you're doing listening meditation, your mind is drawn to a car horn. It's like, can I hear sort of the raw tone and vibration and duration and everything about that without thinking about cars? You know, so it's like really trying to take in that information in a raw way. Um, John Kabat-Zinn, who's a very famous meditation and mindfulness teacher, he wrote um, like a seminal book called Where, uh, Wherever You Go, There You Are, which is a really popular meditation book. One of the things I've heard him say, probably on a podcast, was that whatever arises in your practice is the curriculum of the day. And I love that because that, yeah, it's so great. It's so liberating too, because then we don't have any preconceived idea of what our meditation practice is supposed to be. And I think that really applies so beautifully to singing or musical practice too. You might have an agenda of repertoire you want to work on or vocal skills you want to develop through your practicing, but then maybe you start singing and something else is interesting to you or the repertoire that you want to work on just doesn't feel right or you're not so drawn to it that particular day whatever arises, that's the curriculum that is your practice session, you know, whether it's meditation or musicianship. And that doesn't mean that we don't make intentional choices. Like if you have a gig coming up and you need to learn a piece, you need to learn the piece, right? So like, we can't always be completely swayed by what feels most ideal in the moment. At the same time, having that flexibility is wonderful. And I think it's nice Again, when we take these um, skills that we need for singing and we practice them in something that is not singing, the stakes are often lower. You know, so if I'm practicing concentration or, or fle mental flexibility or self-compassion in this other context, then I'm not so um, tied up in all of my history about my singing. I can just practice it in a more pure way and then apply mm -hmm. it. To the same practice as well. I love that. I mean, so much of this is, is just, you know, kind of how you conduct life, maybe, or how you want to conduct life. Be, you know, allow things and just be present with things and accept, you know, you know, what's, what's kind of going on. 
and make your choices based on what's really right. going on. I mean, a lot of times we're just, we are so, and this is our reptilian brain. Like we are physically designed to react to our environment for safety, you know? So we want, this is our nervous system, right? We have fight and flight, which is responding to what's coming at us. And then we have rest and digest, which is the part of the nervous system that comes on when we don't have to respond, when we can just really be receptive. But because we live in this incredibly, incredibly stimulating culture, and we also are intelligent beings with a lot of thoughts and feelings and physical sensations, it's so much stimulus that we end up living in that kind of fight or flight reactivity yeah. to varying degrees all the time, <laughs> you know? And so it's so important for us to do things that just slow us down, you know, to come into an environment that feels hopefully safe where we can rest and be a little bit more receptive, mm -hmm. just slowing down so that then we can take that receptivity into the real world and respond with a little bit more space and a little bit more awareness. Mm -hmm. And it's a, and it is a, not just a daily practice, it's an every moment of your life yeah. practice of, of making choices about the way we respond to what we're experiencing. Mm. You know, I mean, for me, I'll speak myself personally, like my own feelings about my singing and my fear of not living up to my own expectations of myself and not being comfortable singing around call I'm, I'm a professional singer but like singing around my colleagues and not always feeling maybe comfortable or proud of the way that I was mm. singing did not bring out the best side of me you know and so my fear about that or my shame about that would maybe cause me to be defensive and closed off or reactive and maybe like a little edgy or sarcastic or not always as kind as I could be and these practices have really helped me see that see those tendencies of my mind and then hopefully not judge them, but also not want to perpetuate them either. So it's about, you know, coming into presence with the reality of who yeah. we are, what our instincts are, why we respond to things the way that we do, and then having just that little buffer of space, just enough room to decide, okay, I'm, I'm feeling insecure. I want to react, but I know, you know, that this, this feeling is normal. It's real. It's going to pass. And I'm just going to, you know, sit with it and put a smile on my face until it passes. So I don't say something, you know, that is out of my, out of alignment with my character, mm. you know, and it's hard to admit that. I mean, I think, you know, we don't want to admit that we have these sides of ourselves and some people don't, but I certainly do. That can be a little like edgy and reactive. Um, but sitting with the reasons why and really acknowledging like yeah i want i want to sing beautifully i want to fulfill my potential it's frustrating and hard when i feel like that's not happening you know just sitting with that reality it's not as scary as it seems you know and we tend to like cover over those deep those deeper fears of like mediocrity or that I'm not going to be able to have the career that I want. Like those are deep seated fears that we cover over with a lot of distraction. And so these practices going back to the idea that they are simple, but not always easy. Sometimes when we come into meditation, we really feel like those emotions, or we have these thoughts that we've been covering over or distracting ourselves from, or we feel physical discomfort that we've been kind of not wanting to feel or avoid. But once you can feel it, then you actually can 
I don't mean to rhyme, but then you can like deal with it, <laughs> you know, and then you have you have this awareness and space and it really does help to cultivate compassion for the reality of what we're going through. Um, so it's, you know, these practices are simple, they can be really calming because sometimes it is just calming to slow down and pay attention to the breath or listen to the sounds. Um, but sometimes it's not calming because when we slow down, we do have the space to really feel and be aware of maybe difficult things coming up, especially right now around COVID. I mean, a pretty much every performing artist is having all kinds of you know, internal and external conversations about what the landscape looks like. What do we want from ourselves as artists? What do we want going forward? Are the opportunities that we've been like hoping for and working towards, are they going to exist? Like, you know, it's, it's a really, really tenuous and also thrilling time because it's an opportunity to almost like overhaul the way so many things have been done. We have this sort of reset. Um, but, you know, we don't, as people typically love ambiguity or insecurity, right? And so, you know, knowing, I think getting in touch with what am I really feeling and thinking about, about my life in general, but about myself as a singer right now, what am I afraid of? What am I excited about? What do I want? You know, taking time to really slow down and let those thoughts and feelings come up through these practices can be really beneficial. And then in the meditation, you might have thoughts and ideas and plans. It's so tempting to get up and like write stuff down. <laughs> to trust that it will come to you meditation is over um but if, of course if you feel like you've had like the great american idea you know get up write it down whatever you need to do but you know it's just again it's about creating the conditions for us to be present with um what is actually happening and then learning to respond to that in a more skillful and compassionate and kind way yes. as possible yeah and it is possible. I mean, I really have seen tremendous differences in the way that I react. One of the places that people who start to meditate often notice the kind of the fruit of their practice is in traffic um, and noticing like, you know, when, if someone cuts you off in the past, you might've like laid on the horn, like flip them off or maybe not, or you might've just stewed stoically and silently for like six freeway exits, like replaying in your mind how unfair it was that someone was rude to you and put you in danger. Right. Like totally normal. We, I think, most of us can relate to that. I just started to notice like, you know, someone cuts me off and it's like, all right, you know, come on, you know, whatever. Like just, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, just doesn't matter that much. And so that's those, one of my favorite meditation teachers, Sharon Salzberg, who's a really, really brilliant teacher. One of the things that she says often is that when you're looking at the efficacy of your meditation mm -hmm. practice, it's not about what's going on in the practice itself. You want to look at your life. Uh, so if you're doing breath-focused meditation, maybe when you first started, you were concentrated for one breath and then you got distracted and you could really only stay with one or two breaths at a time. Totally normal. As you do it, maybe you can sustain your concentration longer, but that doesn't matter nearly as much as what's happening when you're in traffic or what's happening when you're in conversation with your partner about something difficult or you're on stage, right? We really want to see the fruit of that in our lives much more importantly than what's happening in the practice itself. The practice itself can be an indicator for sure, but it will always, it's like singing practice. Mm. 
you know, every day of singing practice is a little bit different. You'll probably have some notes that feel fantastic, some notes that don't feel great. And all of that is interesting, but really we're wondering how that's gonna serve us when we come into a performance, if we're a performer. And it's all valuable, but it's about thinking like, where are these skills really showing up for me in a valuable way in my life? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So what's the last one? Oh, do we have time for that? Yeah. Are we good? Cool. Okay. Yay. I thought I wasn't going to get to do it. So the last one, speaking of Sharon Salzberg, she uh, is a teacher who is from New York, but she in the sixties and seventies was in India and Burma. She with another, a couple of other teachers, Joseph Goldstein and Jack Cornfield, who are very famous meditation teachers in the United States. They learned these practices in Southeast Asia and then brought them back to the United States and started a couple of very well-known retreat centers, Insight Meditation Society in Barry, Massachusetts and Spirit Rock was started by Jack Cornfield, which is in my neck of the woods. And it's, I finally got the email saying they were opening up for residential retreat again. And I cried, <laughs> I like cried that Spirit Rock survived the pandemic. So yeah, really special places. Sharon Salzberg is really well known for teaching the Metta, M-E-T-T-A, loving kindness practice. Metta is one of four, what are called Brahma Viharas, or um, they're translated as like heavenly houses or div divine abodes. And what that means is these are four qualities that are amazing to live in and inhabit. So they include loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, which is that feeling of like being so excited for someone else's good news, that is a great one to cultivate as a singer. I'm gonna go on a little tangent for a moment. We're not doing a mudita or a sympathetic joy practice, but I will say one thing that many singers deal with is a feeling that there's a finite amount of success or a finite amount of talent. And if somebody else has success or talent, it's taking away from you. We might know intellectually that that's not true, but we might not really know that in our hearts. And so we might feel, you know, aversion towards our colleagues or protective of roles or not wanting to, you know, share information or share potential experiences with other people because we're kind of keeping it to ourselves. So doing the sympathetic joy practice where you really are focused on being excited for other people's success, I think is like, could be a big game changer. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> and then the fourth Brahma Vihara is equanimity, which also for, for anybody, for singers, really important. It's the ability to just hold all things as equal. You know, so having, you know, a difficult moment and a wonderful moment, they're all just moments that will arise and pass away, you know, mm -hmm. and, and being able to hold all of those things with a sense of balance and equanimity. Yeah. So the foundational Brahma Vihara, the first one is the one we're going to do, which is loving kindness. And it's said that cultivating compassion without loving kindness, cultivating sympathetic joy without loving kindness, or equanimity without loving kindness end up being a little bit hollow. Or they can kind of turn in, compassion can turn into pity. Or sympathetic joy can kind of turn into like a martyrdom of like, oh, I'm so here for you, but not from an authentic place of loving kindness. So we always start with the metta. The way these practices work, is you'll come up with three or four short phrases like, may you be happy, <clears throat> excuse me, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you live with ease. 
So come up with three or four that seem to resonate for you. And we're going to go through a few different categories of people and silently repeat those wishings of metta out to those people. So again, find a comfortable position in which you want to meditate, seated, standing, reclined, walking. Take a couple of breaths just to come into your body again. I was giving a lot of intellectual information, so all that energy tends to concentrate in the brain, let it drain down into your body, feeling a bit more complete and centered. And now bring to mind a dear friend. It could be a family member, it could be a pet, it could be a friend, someone who is easy to love, and especially if this practice is new, somebody with whom the relationship is relatively uncomplicated. It's just easy to think about how much you love them and delight in them and start to offer your phrases. May you be happy. May you be safe and protected. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. You'll continue to repeat these phrases in your mind. If your mind gets distracted, renew the idea of the person. Try to see them, feel them really vividly in your imagination. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be free. Complete this round of phrases and do one more. And now we'll let that person recede to the background and bring forward what we call the benefactor. So this is a person who has supported you or helped you in some way. It might be a teacher or a friend or mentor. See them in your mind's eye, imagine what they look like, what it feels like to be near them, and begin to offer your meta phrases to this benefactor. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe and protected. May you live with ease. Let's 
your concentration in your phrases. If the mind wanders, just come back and start again. Know that if your body is inclined to move, you can always shift and adjust your position. Do that mindfully. Come back. Finish the round that you're on and do one more like it. And now call back the dear friend to join the benefactor and imagine these two people that you care about directing the metaphrases to you. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be safe and protected. May you be peaceful. May you be free. You can frame it as may you, or you can turn it directly to yourself saying, may I be happy. May I live with ease. May I be healthy and free. Finish the round that you're on and do one more. And as you're ready, gently open your eyes and take in your surroundings. That was a variation on the classical metta practice. The traditional um, sequence of recipients is intended to go from what was thought to be easiest to hardest. And so classically, it starts with ourselves. We wish the metta phrases to ourselves. And then we do a benefactor, and then a dear friend. And then two categories, three categories we didn't do. A neutral person, which is like, the person who sold you your coffee or the person who delivers your mail or a neighbor or so, just someone that you have no real feelings for or against, but someone you can actually think of in your mind. Then a difficult person, we can tell that would be a really meaty, interesting practice to wish well, freedom and ease and happiness to someone that we have difficult feelings about. And then we wish the metta to all beings everywhere. 
So the version that we did today, where we did first a dear friend and then a benefactor and then had those people wish it towards us, is really helpful if you find it difficult to send those feelings to yourself. If it feels like awkward or inappropriate to have kind of self-directed, may I be happy, may I be peaceful, many people struggle with that. Um, and that was not something that was culturally very difficult thousands of years ago in the places where these practices originated. But for our contemporary Western culture, there's all kinds of stuff around, um, you know, self-directed love and compassion. So if that's something that's difficult for you, I would encourage you to do the version we did today, because it tends to be easier to receive those sentiments through someone that we know cares about us after we've already given to them. And then for some of us, myself included, I don't, I don't really have difficulty wishing myself those metaphrases. And so I do just the classical progression, starting with me and going through all beings everywhere. Um, but I will say that that is really the practice that softened me the most. When I think about the kind of edgier, aspects of my personality and the more reactive aspects of my personality in life and then of course manifesting in my singing and my relationship to my voice the meta practice has been really game-changing really really softening um, for me personally so I'm very grateful to that practice and and love that I got to share a version of it with you Jack Cornfield who um, created uh, Spirit Rock Meditation Center he's the one who adapted that version of the metta practice to make it easier to kind of take that in so if you like that you might seek out his work as well I love that and I'm I'm, I'm yeah. assuming I know you've got some practices on your website can you tell us yeah about that? Yes, I have that intro meta and I have the um, the regular meta practice. I have the listening and the breath that we did today and some other um, practices in my embodied singer website. There's this big library of videos that includes myofascial release stuff, movement, some sing vocal technique, just voice lessony kind of stuff and um, meditations as well. Yeah. yeah, that's all there. Do you want me to talk a little bit about incorporating this stuff into routine? Please do, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just like a few pointers, if you are interested in pursuing more of these practices, it's kind of like vocal exercises where they're all valuable in their own way. And it's really about choosing the ones that kind of suit you the best and the ones that you will do consistently. So it's like breath meditation is not superior to listening, is not superior to metta. They're all fantastic. They're all very similar in certain ways and then they all are a little bit different. So you might just choose the one that seems to resonate for you. It's great to experiment with lots of different types of practice and lots of different types of vocal exercises and stuff, but you do also want to repeat it enough that you can collect some data about how it seems to affect your life. You know, what fruits do you seem to see from doing this practice? So I would say experiment, but also stay with something long enough for, you know, to get a clearer picture of kind of how it sits for you. As far as duration, you don't have to do very much. So if you think that you have to do like a long, long practice, you don't. I would say start really small. Start with an amount of time that just feels pretty easy and manageable. That might be one minute. That's great. Do one minute. All good. Set a timer. You can keep your eyes open. Just do one minute. You could do, if that's really easy, do five. If that's really easy, do 10 and then maybe stay at 10 for a while because it's easy to start to increase the duration and then it becomes daunting. I think we know this from singing practice as well. If we feel like we have to practice for an hour and we don't have an hour, it's like, oh, well, I can't practice today. But we know that's not true. 
we know there's great benefit in doing a couple minutes of lip trill just to keep the voice fresh and responsive, right? So think about shorter durations more consistently. And then as you know, as you want to, you could extend the duration practice more frequently, but it's much more important, just like it is for voice to be consistently relating to yourself, relating to your voice than it is to do long, long, long stretches that might have um, kind of diminishing returns as we as we sustain them. So I'd say like five minutes and maybe commit, like I'm gonna do five minutes a day for 10 days and just really see how it feels incorporated into my routine. Mm. Um, I've mentioned, I think quite a bit in this conversation that it's sometimes meditation, often meditation is really calming because it's like a timeout, you know, just it's an opportunity to let this, all the swirling chaos externally kind of slow down. But sometimes, as I've said, when we sit down and we really become present to what's going on in our heart, our mind, our body, challenging things can come up, you know, and that's normal. So then you have a choice, you know, do I want to sit with this? investigate it, see if I can create a little space around it, or is it kinder to take a break, to watch Real Housewives or read a book or like do, you know, go take a walk or do something else that is nurturing, that's not necessarily so connected to difficulty that I'm experiencing. That's especially important um, for people who like to practice in the evening. There's no time of day that's better than another. I love practicing at night, but if I'm going through a hard time and I know that in my sit, I'm gonna be really aware of what's going on, it might make it harder to fall asleep. So I would say if you, um, if you are going through a period of real difficulty that's coming up in meditation, maybe do it earlier in the day so you have more time to process and you can get good rest in the evening. But I don't say this to make you think that every meditation is gonna be difficult. I uh, you know, meditate every, pretty much every day, daily-ish for many years and have only had a handful of times where really difficult stuff came up. And even when it did, like times where maybe I cried or something, it's like, okay, well, I'm crying, okay. I'm sad. It's like, yeah, it's like normal things that happen, right? So it's fine. You know, it just is what it is. Um, and then one more thing I would say about like apps and YouTube and guided meditations, they're awesome. If that's what helps you stay connected to the practice and stay connected to the present, awesome. One guided or unguided, one's not better than the other. It's totally a matter of your preference. So if you find someone whose voice you find to be really calming or whose language is interesting to you, like awesome, do it. Yeah. And if you like, I prefer, I'm not a guided meditation person. I like to just sit and be, um, but it's nice to kind of maybe practice the way that you don't necessarily want. Like I should do more guided because it's not what I'm so inclined to do. Just like with singing practice, if we always do the things that are easy, then we don't necessarily grow in all the ways that we could. So just, you know, mix it up, experiment and have fun with it. I love that. Okay, well, this was really, really fantastic. Oh, I'm so glad. It's so my pleasure. Um, oh, Sarah, Sarah says, this has been great. Thank you, Shauna. This reminded me of all the reasons I started meditation a few years ago. Yay. And it, and it comes in and out. I mean, I have two, I've had periods where I wasn't meditating as much, sometimes because I was having aversion and like, you know, my life felt difficult and I didn't want to sit with it. And sometimes just because I was like, I feel great. I don't, you know, 
I don't need to do this on a daily basis. Then it's like, yes, I do. And I love to do it. So yeah, we just know that even experienced meditators, we all go through periods, you know, ebbs and flows in our practice. And that's, that is normal, but I'm so glad that it reminded you of, of what made you fall in love with it. Yeah. And there is a, there is a practice for everyone. You might have to experiment a little bit to find out what that is for you. Right. Um, but play around and there are so, so, so many more than we did today and so many amazing resources that are available. Wonderful. Oh, you have an Instagram and please tell us your website. I, I can't remember. Yeah, so my website is www.embodied, with a D at the end, singer, embodiedsinger.com. And my handle on Instagram is embodiedsinger. On Facebook, I'm at embodiedsinger, but I just basically funnel Instagram into Facebook and I don't do a lot with Facebook. Um, but I just finished up Myofascial May. So if you look back at the last month of my posts, it's a lot of myofascial release content. So you'll see that. But then just before that, I did a sequence of three different types of meditation that you can follow, similar to what we did today. Um, and I have a workshop series that I will do this summer, which is really about incorporating these different modalities into the practice room. So we'll be doing myofascial release and singing. We'll be doing meditation practice practices and singing right after and exploring the connection between them. And we'll do um, some breath practices, pranayama and singing. So if you're interested in those, you can find those on my website. I would love, love, love to connect with you. They're all virtual still. Um, so you can do them from New York or from, you know, Sweden or wherever the heck you are. <laughs> Anywhere. Yeah. Oh, and we've got one more good Canyon lightning says, thanks for, thanks for the relaxation. Be well. Good. Be well. I'm glad it was relaxing. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much, Shauna, for Yay. your time. I loved this so My much. My pleasure. I love you, and I'm so glad that we got a chance to connect. All right, well, I'll let you go. Thank you so much again. So My much pleasure. Oh, wow, guys. I hope that you enjoyed that. I most certainly did. Um, I learned so much during that meditation, during those three meditations, and, you know, just re-listening to everything that Shauna said, because, you know, I'm kind of running things and looking at uh, the Facebook comments of everybody who was in the Facebook group and kind of experiencing it live. And so um, it was just great to go back and listen to it again. And I may listen to this a third time because um, I just really loved everything Shauna had to say. So we're gonna get into the singing lessons Number one, all of the skills that we cultivate, that we explore in meditative and contemplative practices are all the skills that we need as singers. Number two, singing is the ultimate act of artistic presence. We need to be really present and attuned to what we're hearing, to what we're feeling in our body. Present with the intention of what we want to express musically and dramatically. Present with the other musicians that we might be collaborating with. Present with the presence of the audience. Number three, the intention for a meditation practice isn't to shut down what you feel. It's not to eliminate intensity or eliminate different experiences. It's about being able to be with what's actually happening right now. Number four, the mind is designed to move. Your brain is designed to be recalling things, to be responding to stimulus, and we want that very active and agile mind. 
We definitely want it in performance. It's what allows us to be responsive to the changing circumstances, but we also want to be able to slow it down and maybe maintain our focus and concentration for a longer period of time. Number five, the point of the practice is to notice, oh, I've gone, into the, I've gone off into the past. I've gone out into the future. I'm going to come back to presence. Number six, we don't have to manipulate the breath in any way in these particular practices. Number seven, it's not just a daily practice. It's an every moment of your life practice of making choices about the way we respond to what we're experiencing. Number eight, it's about creating the conditions for us to be present with what is actually happening and then learning to respond to that in a more skillful and passionate and kind way. Loved all of that. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this. I really do. I hope that it was useful for you. Um, I do want to create things that make value for your life as a singer and performer. And um, so I really hope that you enjoyed that. Visit the workingsingerpodcast.com to get these singing lessons and other information mentioned on the show. And I've started putting together a singer resource page on the workingsingerpodcast.com. So check that out. Um, join the Facebook group, the Working Singer Podcast community, and like the Working Singer Podcast page. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm at Jamila Ford Music or the Working Singer Podcast. And I've also got a website, jamilaford.com. And if you would like to reach out, email me at hi at the workingsingerpodcast.com. Um, let me see what else we got going on. If you enjoyed um, this episode, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode and share this podcast with your friends. All right, guys, have a great rest of the week. And I do mean it when I say I love you. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you again next week. <laughs>